here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Latitude and the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support and we will hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pit.edu slash EMBA healthcare. In this episode, Jill will discuss the X factor and how it is important to be proactive, consistent, and to listen to positively influence and impact your employees' lives. Welcome to this episode of P4. Today, we're joined by uh, Pittsburgh Guru, and I think she's made a presence around Pittsburgh quite a bit over the last few years, and you'll see her name in different uh, spaces around the city, not just in the HR field. So we'll get into a little bit more of that as we dig in with Jill Porter-Scott today, uh, the Director of People X Benefits, Culture, and Inclusion from AIRS. So Jill, welcome to the show today. Excited to learn more about you and where you came from. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah. Um, where I came from. I don't know where it all started, right? Um, I, I've been in HR now for probably about 17 or 18 years. I didn't actually start in HR. I started in risk management uh, as a at a college at a temp agency and I was in the typing pool and they did, I did dictations and they liked the way I typed letters. So I ended up getting shipped down to a job at a risk, a large brokerage house. And, um, there was when I had my first experience with human resources and I really liked, I really liked that HR person and, um, and she had an impact on me. So as I continued to work with her through recruiting efforts and going on, you know, going career fairs, I just really liked what the HR space was. And so I stayed in risk management for some time and changed to another brokerage house. But ultimately, after about six or seven years, realized I needed to just make a move and get into a space that I thought I would really enjoy. So I ended up going back for my MBA, getting, um, getting, taking a job that was out of insurance after being in it for so long. So taking a pay cut and doing a job, like five different jobs just to get some HR experience and just really enjoyed it ever since then. And just have been able to have some progressive HR roles along the way and done a lot of fun stuff and still just love HR. Nice. Uh, and tell us a little bit more in your title, it says people X. What, what's that mean, Joe? Yeah, so at our organization, it's all things people, and we have a lot of things with X in the name, and it's about the experience. So you you see that a lot with you know customer experience CX. Uh, so people X was just a twist on human resources uh, to really in, just really capture our culture. This this company Airs that I work at has an amazing culture, and it's really driven by the people. So it says a lot about who we are and what our focus is here and at Airs and People X. It's been interesting over the last 12 months, I've learned a lot more about the human experience, the employee experience, the customer experience, all of it. And you know, we can't forget about the people inside as well as outside. It's all, all together. So cool to see that Ayers is 
is really doing a good job of that. So you told us MBA came from University of Pittsburgh. Shame that they got knocked out of the March Madness tournament, right? I know. Um, but did you have you used your undergrad in communications at all throughout this HR journey? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, right? We do it. We've done a ton, we do a ton of communicating and facilitating and discussing and conversing. Uh, yeah, for sure. My my undergrad at Slippery Rock was in communication, and um, I felt like that was just. Uh, probably at the time, it was a way to sidestep business classes, but um, ultimately, it <laughs> definitely helped in what I currently do and, and where I'm at, yeah. And what you said, why you went into HR, you found the work interesting, but what I heard you say is the person was what really made the difference for you initially. Yeah, yeah I really liked how she handled some situations. Um, I liked that she would the reason that she approached me to go on some of the um, the career fairs was because I wasn't the typical um, look and feel of of what they were hiring at the time. You know, it was back to you know diversity and inclusion and equity. Even then, just um, showing because no, I didn't have a business degree at that point in time. Risk management programs were not really that plentiful. You know, um, so to get into a place those insurance brokerage houses, you would be typically a, a business person. But I came in, in a different way. And I think she liked that. And when I would have blips, I mean, there weren't too many. I was an excellent employee. Um, when there were blips, though, she just, I don't know, she just always handled things really well. And I kept in touch with her uh, as I left and moved on. Um, so, yeah, I've seen her over the years and still still think fondly of her. So, yeah, it was definitely the experience that made me think this is something I want to do and help people. It's another way for us to think about, hey, I, I'd like to get into HR. Wow, being able to positively influence and impact so many lives, that sounds pretty cool. I personally, I'm an engineer, right? They don't teach you much about HR stuff in engineering school, even engineering grad school, they don't teach you about HR stuff. Communications, maybe you get a little bit, but throughout the different P4 podcast sessions, we've heard people come from legal backgrounds, from real estate backgrounds. I think somebody was like a, a pilot or something at one point, right? Military backgrounds. It's cool that so many different roads can lead to, to HR. And you sort of answered it, but just hone in a little bit more, Joe, on you know why why HR? What is it that gets you excited to jump out of bed in the morning, stay up late, you know, yeah. put up with, put go through, right? All these exhilarating situations that you're faced. What's your why for HR? I'm a fixer, I guess. I just like to, I like to fix things. I like to help people. I like to, you know, if there's a problem, if there's something that I'm equipped to be able to see, uh, organizational development, you know, structure, um, if there's something broken and I can see four steps, you know, behind or in front of to understand why it's broken or why it's going to be broken, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to help and, and make the organization um, better, but more importantly, make the employees experience better. Uh, you know, it's, it's so difficult to go to work and not either enjoy what you're doing every day or not enjoy what you're doing with whom you're doing it. So, you know, your manager, your coworkers, and so many times it's just about a structure issue or a communication issue. And if, if resolved, <laughs> everyone's life and productivity is so much better. And, um, and a lot of people just have a hard time, you know, they struggle with, with having those tough communication, having those tough conversations. Uh, they don't have a resource that can just really want to help them without, you know, making things worse or, or having ulterior motives. You know, I just, I just really enjoy coming into an organization, getting to know the industry, getting to know what their, their development areas are, what they really excel at and how I can help and just help move the people and the 
and by helping the people move the organization forward. There's a lot of influence we have uh, in these roles and as leadership uh, titles get attached to our names over time, there's pe people listen, right? Let's talk a little bit. We talked about this a little bit in the, the, the pre-session before we got started today about the onboarding, right? So whenever we're bringing new folks onto our team, it's a very pivotal, pivotal moment uh, for everybody. You're sharing a lot of those good resources with them. Anything that you've seen that really is like a must do um, during that onboarding process and has it changed much since we've gone to this WFX, like work from anywhere um, over the last couple of years? Yeah, completely. Um, so I think there was the onboarding before COVID and now there's onboarding post COVID. Onboarding has always been, no matter what company I've been at, um, a, a, something that's either really made or, or broken, uh, I think it, the new hire experience. And it was typically dependent on the manager or how much, you know, at some point people X or human resources has to hand off that, that new hire. And so that onboarding is, is critical whether it's training or the culture, you know, indoctrination, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, so when I started here at Ayers, it was in the midst of COVID still. And uh, we were struggling as most companies were just trying to figure out what to do. We were still hiring people. We, we navigated COVID rather well and have continued to grow. And so we were still hiring people and we were hiring them in remote space. And we were trying to figure out this in office, not in office and you know, the vaccinations and all that stuff. Uh, and so eventually we just decided, you know, we're just going to start fresh with, with onboarding. And so we kicked off a program that is very high touch with the new hire at, 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 the, the, at the middle of it, all the thick of it, um, to, to figure out what makes the most sense. We did research. We talked to new hires within the last six to 12 months in our company. We talked to managers. Um, and we really just kind of expanded the program. Uh, we have touch points with the new hire, you know, starting at week one. Um, you know, a month in, three months in, six months in, 12 months, we do surveys with them. We take the surveys, we give the feedback to the managers. We just, we disseminate the feedback. So our training team will get the feedback. If there's a training breakdown, uh, the manager gets the feedback. Uh, we, we roll it up so that it's visible to, to leadership. So they understand. Um, and, you know, we really put, the, like I said, that new hire at the, at the, at the main point of it so that they can feel that support and even more critically now with a with a remote hybrid workforce you know to make sure that they can kind of sense and feel that so definitely made changes and i you know we're, we're excited about it and i think it's really working you know we've already been able to catch some some issues some employee relations issues some um some some employees needed more training more support so it's it's been great it, it seems like the sense of belonging is what you're really amplifying there. And again, you have benefits, culture, inclusion, and the three parts of your title uh, after, after people X. And you, you're, you have a lot of touch points there. That's pretty cool. And something that I've learned from other you know, previous guests is that there's onboarding and there's orientation and there's assimilation. Uh, and it doesn't just happen in the first couple hours of day one or week one. So that's powerful. And as I talk to more and more people, I mean, look at your growth, right? The company grows because of the great people and the great people that continue to grow and develop. And it seems like a lot of that is the trust, right? Hey, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. And here's the results so far, right? Sharing and communicating it back and forth. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you're building a lot of trust and respect from day one with these kind of programs in place? 
Yeah, they certainly help, right? I mean, they they can, of course, only do so much um, if you don't have a culture or a leadership that's aligned or, um, you know, are very transparent. I think you use very transparent uh, company. But yeah, these, these programs, onboarding, they aid so much in retention. They help so much get the employees to feel committed, you know, just even like sending notes of our, you know, our, our president sends a note to the new hires. We send a little welcome kit to the new hires. Um, we gave the managers resources um, because they were struggling at how to do this. And just because we tell them to do this, one version of, okay, please execute X, Y, Z looks very different between the managers. So certainly um, those have all helped and, and build that trust. And then it's just a lot of, you know, consistency. Um, you know, the if you're going to do something, do it. If if you and certainly coming from people acts in the HR, that's so important because our trust is critical to our success within the organization, um, and and it's earned. You know, so we have to be very diligent in what we're doing and and consistent in the messaging. And so you know what whatever programs we're putting in place, they really have to roll up to uh, our our culture and our messaging and what our organizational beliefs and goals are. You know, so all of that has to be aligned. Uh, in my mind, in order to, for people to trust you, for people to understand that, yeah, oh yeah, they're working in the same direction. There's not mixed messages happening. So you don't have like a little bottle of trust powder behind you and you know, sprinkle it on <laughs> some no. of the different, different things? No, no, I've looked, <laughs> I can't find that. Mm-mm. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, Liz, I wonder if we're uh, selling any of that at the, the conference coming up this year. What we can do, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm looking at some of these notes here, Jill, can you talk a little bit more about how you went through rebuilding that onboarding process? A lot of people around the PHRA family and beyond are in this, you know, stage of, hey, maybe we should look at some different things. You know, one, how'd you figure out, like, we should rebuild this? And then two, was it internal, external, any of the other, like, hey, I wish we learned on this at the beginning. That's yeah. not something that everybody typically does in their day. Well, you don't do it in a day-to-day role, hopefully. Um, just dig, dig a little bit deeper on that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, sure. So when I first came on board, it was really important for me to, I, I did every exit interview for the first maybe six months. And I listened to every person who was leaving and and then communicated back to the managers just to try to understand what these exiting employees were leaving, you know, as a result of what what was the impetus. And that was really telling to me. And it was uh, it was critical, I think, in, in you, where did onboarding or revamp of onboarding come from? That where did the comp review that we started come from? That uh, where did the you know the need for a training team come from? Those exit interviews. So it was just listening, right? At its core, it was just listening to what our people were saying. Uh, I certainly listened to the new hires. I certainly listened to the, the existing employees who've been here for some time. But those exiting employees, what was amazing to me is that they would leave and say, like, I I love this place. I really do. It's this or it's COVID or it's whatever. But here are some things that if you all could change, it would just make this place that much better. So it just felt silly to not take them seriously and, and explore that. And then <clears throat> as I was kind of reorganizing the, the HR team, um, understanding that there was a bit of a gap and, and you're right. I mean, and all the jobs I've been at, I mean, we, we rarely, you rarely have the luxury of having someone dedicated to onboarding. You know, most of the time that's a recruiter or that's a, you know, um, a generalist role or somebody who's just really not really focused in that. It's a side job, really, and in months, you know, amongst all the other things that we as HR professionals have to do. So um, once I realized that, you know, it was going to be even more critical over COVID uh, and whatever this hybrid work was going to look like, then it just became, okay, 
we just need to make this make this happen and talk to leaders and understand what you know i listened to the employees but now it's time to listen to the, the managers and understand what they felt their pain points were um our culture is so strong how do we in the remote workforce really build this culture these culture points with these new hires for them to understand it and and learn it sooner so it was just again kind of going back to that under trying to understand what the problem really is what to fix and and just listening to then have the information enough to build build a program that fit for us what we're doing might not fit for everybody but it certainly is fitting really well for us and we're already seeing like i said just such great engagement with it so just really trying to make make that that onboarding uh, a a strong part of the of the hr function versus just another task just another thing that we have to do and and putting more ownership on us and supporting supporting the managers to help them have what they need to onboard successfully on ongoing right they say uh early and often and make sure it's ongoing uh, yeah. you talked about listening at all levels uh, and being there for people no matter uh where they are and meeting them where they are not one size fits all right. um joe as you're talking through this you mentioned a couple of surveys some feedback points uh, and also feedback processes uh are there certain things that you ask uh for feedback at a macro level yeah. organization wide are there certain ways that you structure you know, you mentioned exit interviews. Do you do, you know, stay interviews? Um, is there anything else uh, around around that piece? Just kind of talk a little bit more about the kind of survey feedback and yeah. uh, the other piece, how you're listening. Yeah, sure, sure. So the, you know, each each survey point that kind of touches on something specific and relative to what they've just gone through. So their first week, it's really, did you get your technology? Did you get set up okay? How was help desk? What, you know, what is, did, you know, did you meet your manager? Um, you know, any concerns there? Then, you know, three months in is typically when we have, um, we have a, a large training program, which is just about our culture and learning the whole organization. It's called X Factor. And so people come into uh, our Pittsburgh office from all over the world, and they go through four days of, you know, getting to know their their colleagues, getting to know the different departments. So our our surveys are around that. How was that X factor? How are you feeling about the, the that sort of training? Um, then we also uh, rolled out a training team last year, which focuses on on the job training. And <clears throat> so they put our employees in certain positions. It's being expanded across the organization, but um, currently it's in our operations space. And so they go through, you know, 12 weeks of training within their first few weeks of being here. So they're immediately indoctrinated into the training and, and hands-on training. Uh, so it's very much, you know, about then that, that checkpoint is about how the training's going and what they feel like they need, you know, how the trainers were, were they engaging, are they able to connect the dots and go back to their managers? And then it's caseload once they start working day-to-day -day job and handling our, our, our business, um, then it's okay. Do you need some upskilling? Do you need some reskilling? You know, how, where where is the disconnect now? Um, and then it's about leadership. How, how you know how are you seeing our leaders? You know, how are you interacting? Um, you know, what what knowledge do you think you're missing at this point in time? So we kind of hit. You know, we're hitting on on culture. We're hitting on training. We're hitting on leadership. We're hitting on benefits. We're asking just about their benefit experience. Did you get enrolled okay? Um, all aspects of human resources in my mind are are touched upon in those surveys so that we have a really good understanding of of what that new hire experience is and can make changes real time yeah almost she brought up a couple of concepts that are typically outside of hr almost sounds like an agile uh approach right wow right we only do that stuff in software and like pro mm -hmm. project management 
yeah. and then you know asking the whys and going into the root cause almost sounds like lean six sigma and industrial mm -hmm. engineering whoa you never talk about that stuff inside of hr right. so cool to see how you're bringing these uh industry agnostic principles to something that isn't typically rooted in innovation but clearly you can shake that up and you know say it is all possible so good good on you two quick follow-ups there um feedback are those with my name on it or anonymous um names on it yeah name is on it yeah, yeah and and we we are so we also do engagement surveys which are confidential yeah. so you know culture engagement we do pulse surveys around like dei including leaders um uh, the hybrid work and then our full engagement surveys are the ones we've done this year and those are confidential but in these situations these new hires these are not these are yeah. not confidential and we encourage them to be honest so that we're able to you know we don't position it like hey be honest then we're gonna you know smack you around with your your comments right like it's be honest so that we can help you and others and when you take that approach people have not shied away from giving us the feedback um and we've been really appreciative of that Interesting. Have you guys thought about sharing some of these organizational feedback metrics back to the, the larger uh, employee base? Is that something that you do or, you know, maybe do? Because And that's one, one quick reason why, right? A lot of times at organizations, you know, I've been at, yeah, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have this employee engagement survey. We're going to hear what you're saying. And then nothing happens. Nothing happens. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe, Joe, didn't you say we're going to do that thing? And yeah. You're like, you know, we get busy. So what's, what's your approach to that? Yeah, we're, we're a very metrics driven organization and we are a very transparent organization. So we share data a lot uh, and it's okay here to do that. So um, we, I think the, the biggest struggle we've had is just the best way in which to share it. Um, and we hadn't done engagement surveys for years. So this was the first time. So we wanted to kind of get these under our belt and then get a, a nice cadence and a nice approach to sharing it in a way that was, I think, meaningful and well-received. So we haven't shared some of the data yet, but that is certainly in our, in our plan because of just how important we think it is. Um, also, we're a very survey-driven organization. What we do are a lot of our employee population is their their scores. They have they have survey scores, so everyone is really interested in the data here. So yeah. it again will land differently than maybe other companies um, who aren't accustomed to being surveyed in their day-to-day -day job. I I have some other uh, ideas around that. I I love some some data, and it's cool to see your approach. Uh, if you can't measure it, you, you can't improve it. And one of the things that we want to continue improving is our uh, professional growth maps. And you, whenever you mentioned some of those exit interviews, you didn't really talk about, uh, you know, the dislikes. It just seemed like there were some external factors. But outside of theirs, there's a lot of people that leave because of the lack of, you know, career guidance and professional uh, advice. It seems like the talent team that you've set up is headed in the right direction from, from day one, week one, month one, year one. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that professional development? And maybe there's something that you've heard specifically um, around that, that growth advice. Sure, sure. Again, I think we're really lucky here because we have um, a culture that encourages promotion and looking at the next level and identifying what that career path looks like. Um, we also have an organization where folks can move around. You know, we have um, my a lot of my corporate trainers have been in the operations space. You know, they know it very well, and they've they've come into People X, 
And so they're adding just a ton of value um, with their hands-on experience that they had and as managers to be able to train our, our new folks and, and upskill and reskill. So from, I think from when you look at your career path, when you look at your development, you know, it's, it's having that interest and being able to just raise your hand. And I mean, I didn't know, I couldn't articulate why I wanted to be in human resources, right? I just knew that I needed to, I, I wanted to, uh, but I didn't know what it looked like. And so luckily I've had folks in my career who have been willing to kind of share what their path was and to be able to see that. So I think, you know, within our organization, our leaders have moved up from, from internal and in the ranks, you know, and we have a lot of, um, you know, our job descriptions, there's alignment in the job descriptions and what the next level looks like when we're talking about goals and performance, um, succession planning, you know, all of those are pieces of helping show the employees what their future could look like here and having those communications go really well. Um, yeah, you know, for, for me personally, I oftentimes when you're in jobs, you really, you might not enjoy it as much, you might not like your manager as much, or there, there might be something there. But for me, every job that I've had, the good, the bad, the ugly, has led me into the progression of my career. So I just find that it's so important that, you know, you look at what you're, what you're doing and help ha have that awareness to know that what you're doing now will probably at some point in time position you for something later and and just what can you gain from it even if it's not a great job or not a great manager what can you learn from it and how can you carry that forward and and use it to your advantage in your career and your development it's you keep talking about these things and it seems like a lot so whenever <laughs> you came in and said hey i need to build up some team around me uh, it, it really, uh, it's powerful. So nice, nice work. And just quick clarification, Ayers is, is not a brokerage firm, right? You said that you left that. So if you yeah. just want to share that for everybody real, real quick, what, what does Ayers even do? Sure. Ayers is a global relocation company. So we move companies, employees around the globe. So it's very HR focused. I joke that in past life, uh, I would have really <laughs> love to have known that airs existed when I was trying to put a uh, take a man from Michigan and put him in China, you know, and we were dealing with all of the payroll taxes and house that we had to sell and all of those things. So uh, yeah, we, we do A to Z of relocation. And, and so from the minute that, you know, if you're moving with your company, the minute that you find out you're relocating, one of our, uh, one of our uh, mobility specialists will reach out and contact you and, and do the handholding from the time you are packing up your house, the movers to get there everything. And then there, we have other departments that handle the international compensation. If you're going abroad, um, it's, it's a, it's a full service, full service company and, and supporting our clients and, and their employees. So it's a very customer service focused job that we have. Most, most every position we have is just solely focused on the customers. Okay. So, Hey, everybody, if your people are moving, then give Jill a call. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, Jill, um, as we move into this last piece of the, the, the podcast here today, there's a couple of quick fire questions. So um, you ready for this as we get closer to wrapping things up? I mean, I'll try. I'll try my best. All right. First one is about reading. We hear this is something that's important for us to do. Uh, sometimes we do it. Sometimes we don't. Uh, if there's a book that you're reading right now or a recommended must read for folks listening, what do you got? Uh, so I read a lot. I read a lot. Um, it, it varies depending on if I'm reading for for fun and and, you know, to kind of get my brain off of something or or for work. But I, what I find that's interesting 
is just reading something that if it's going to be something I want to learn and grow from, just trying to find an autobiography that's com so completely different than what I would expect or want to know about or learn about. So, I mean, my, one of my favorites that comes to mind is not work related, but still um, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, his, his um, autobiography was was awesome. And uh, he's just such a creative and I don't find myself, I don't view myself as so creative. And so I just found it so interesting to listen to like his life and, and his approach and, and how he was raised and, and what he was as a younger kid to where he is now and what he gives back and everything. So for me, that was, uh, it was, it was interesting for a different reason. You said you're a fixer. I think there's some creativity in you whenever you're fixing things, right? <laughs> in a very like business creative, maybe mindset, not so much in a very cool rock and roll creative way, but. Cool is it's, it's all, it's all relative. All right. So the next one, Jill, we're rewinding a couple of years. You decide how many to the younger Jill and you get mm -hmm. to give yourself some advice. What is the advice that you'd give your younger self? <laughs> Um, more documentaries sooner. <laughs> yeah, probably learn, learn these life lessons sooner, Jill. Yeah. Uh, my mother always used to say, uh, can we, where's the softer side of Jill? You know, when that Sears commercial, like the softer side of Sears, you know, when they were trying like, where's the softer side of Jill? Uh, because I was, I was pretty like, if you know, disc, I was, I was like a high D on, on disc. And, um, so I was, you know, just always pushing, pressing, moving, doing. And, um, so I think I probably would tell myself just to, to simmer down you know, take a, take a breath a little bit more, like you'll get where you need to get to. Um, and just, but that was always been the drive for me. So I would probably tell myself just to take a breath. Will you be taking a breath at the PHRA golf and bocce outing this year by chance? I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I am neither a golfer nor a bocce player, uh, but I can drive a golf cart. So we'll see if Liz can, if Liz can guarantee a spot of me driving a golf cart, then yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we might be able to work work something out there. Uh, cool. Now, the last one to wrap things up, Jill, um, desk toys. Mm -hmm. It's a weird one, but it's something that we've brought in, in uh, season two of the, the P4 podcast. Is there a cool desk toy? It's just something that comes along with you from roll to roll, office yeah. to office. Yeah. So my home office has more of my, my daughter's things that she gives me and makes me chuckle about. But I have this car that is from disney that a friend brought like 15 years ago and it's one of like the best you know the new cars aren't built what they were used to like you know like the, new, oh, yeah. the new cars are flimsy but this is super solid and it it stands up on its on its tail you know like oh, yeah. it's, it's really heavy and it does wheelies and stuff so i, I play with that a lot and then uh, my bob ross bobblehead oh my gosh yeah yeah he he's always with me and he stays in the box it's unopened he stays in the box yeah Nice. Are you, uh, do you ever watch Bob Ross to, to unwind? <laughs> I used to, I used to. Yeah. I used to watch them all the time, but no, not, not anymore. And then I always have those too. Can do it. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, th those are two very popular Halloween costumes as of late, Rosie the Riveter and Bob Ross. <laughs> uh, I didn't know Bob Ross was making a comeback for Halloween. That's good to know. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Over the last five, 10 years, I'd say uh, yeah. all across the East Coast, all across the country, I've seen those. Wow. Um, so <laughs> back to back to P4. Jill, thanks so much for uh, your time today. Some of my takeaways, right? It's important uh, to be proactive, to be consistent, to listen at all levels, and that it takes time and that inclusion is something that we live, breathe, walk, talk, and, and do throughout our entire 
uh, you know, employee uh, life cycle, right, from start to end and as we move around. And the other cool piece that you highlighted a lot is around the X, right, because we might not be able to say everything, but we want to give the space for everything to be included, heard. Uh, and realized it was cool to hear the, the X Factor program early on. I saw the X uh, coming through time and time again. So, Jill Porter, Scott, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of P4 today. Thank you. Appreciate it. People do matter. And at the end of the day, we cannot get any work done if we don't have the right people in place. Are your people connected? Latitude is the one-stop shop people connection software platform. Our software workshops and programming facilitate new employee onboarding, manager 101s, stay interviews, mentorship programs, and peer networking to increase retention, engagement, satisfaction, productivity, profitability, and happiness. Imagine a technology that intersects your calendar with LinkedIn, Zoom, Google Docs, and your CRM. Contact Latitude today to schedule a conversation. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you.